Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. We are quickly approaching the climax of Lent, the climax of the whole liturgical year. It is Holy Week starting here this upcoming Sunday, and I want to prepare you spiritually for this week of all weeks. I'm going to take you into the spirituality of Holy Week by bringing you in to Christ's passion. But I have to admit, it's going to be a little hard, you know, because, man, this Lent has just been in Lent of, of all Lents to remember, right? Uh Every day we've been bombarded, especially the last few weeks, uh, with so much. And uh, I feel like Lent has been thrown upon us, maybe. At least that's how I feel. (laughs) You know, maybe as opposed to entering into Lent, it's just been kind of forced upon me in in a whole new way. But every day we can be really distracted from the Lenten season by turning to the latest news, the latest presidential press conference, what new restriction is out there, and what's the death toll, and where is it going next, and... Then we could spend a lot of time watching the news and social media, and it just you know just takes over all of our conversations. But if that's where we're spending our time, that will not give us peace. And I think Jesus is inviting us here as we're getting ready for Holy Week to put our attention on Him, to keep our eyes focused on Him, and especially on His passion. And so that's what I want to do in this week's show. I want to invite you to join me for just a few minutes and unplug from all that's going out there with the C word, <laughs> that virus that's out there, and it's real, and, and there's a big problem, and we need to be concerned about it. Don't get me wrong, but but we, we, can't, we can't approach this with a secular mindset, which is just solving it from a human perspective. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. And this is just true every year, especially during Holy Week. We should be focused on Christ's passion, but especially this week. So would you join me in just focusing on Jesus for a little bit? I'll say a few words at the end, particularly from Pope Francis and his very moving exhortation that he gave uh, from St. Peter's last Friday in that extraordinary evening of prayer. But, but for the moment, I want to really keep our eyes on Christ and on his passion so that we can enter into Holy Week, even if we might not be able to participate in the Holy Week liturgies themselves. So welcome to the All Things Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Edward Sri, and I want to share with you something that I do every year during the, the, the week of Holy Week, particularly Holy Thursday night, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. Um, it's something I started doing when I was a doctoral student in Rome and I I didn't set out and plan to develop a lifelong tradition, but you know, I went to the Holy Thursday mass with the Holy Father, St. John Paul II at the time. So I remember a friend of mine and I, we went to the mass, we had tickets and somehow we, we had the strategy and it worked and we got second row seats. We ended up in the second row for Holy Thursday liturgy with John Paul II. It was awesome. I got these great pictures. It was amazing. But after the when the mass was over, there's a tradition in Rome that all the churches uh, decorate their side altars, uh, where the Blessed Sacrament is reserved on Holy Thursday night, and they make these beautiful, elaborate decorations with beautiful flowers, wonderful flower arrangements, and waterfalls, and it's just amazing. And 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 the churches are are open. If you've been to Rome, you, you know there's a church on every street corner practically. So picture hundreds of churches, just beautifully decorated. And and pilgrims would go and visit one church after another and after another. And that's what we did from, you know, I don't know from about like seven thirty eight p.m. till midnight. We went for all these different churches, and I happened to have a little pocket New Testament with me 
And I just said, oh, you know what I'll do tonight? I'll just read at every one of these churches. I'll read a part of Christ's passion. Uh, and I'll, I'll just read a, a part of the passion story as it relates to what was happening at that time on Holy Thursday night. So I go to one church and I read Matthew's account of the agony in the garden. And I go to another church and read Mark's. And then I'd read Luke's account of the agony in the garden. And then I go to a, another church and I would read about Jesus being arrested and betrayed by Judas, and Matthew's account of that, then Mark's account, then Luke's, and then John's. And then I'd read about Jesus's trial before Caiaphas. And then I'd go to bed. And, and then the next morning I would read about Pilate's trial with Jesus as he's condemning Jesus to death and the caring of the cross. And then Good Friday afternoon, I would read about his actual death on the cross. So it was the idea was to read from each of the gospel accounts what was happening in Jesus's life and reflect on them. And we and we did this at all the different churches on that Holy Thursday night, and then I did it uh, in, in different places on, on Good Friday. And I, I've kind of just kept doing something like that year after year. So I want to encourage you, especially this year when many of us aren't going to get to go to a Holy Thursday Mass or a Good Friday service and the Easter liturgy, uh, you can still accompany Jesus spiritually if you have your mind focused on him. If you're focused on CNN and Fox News and social media on Holy Thursday and Holy Week, you're not going to really be able to accompany Jesus as much. You know, really focus on his word. You might not have access to the Eucharist, you might not be able to receive Holy Communion and participate in Mass, but you all have access to God's Word. You can read the Bible. So pick up, I'll, I'll put in the show notes, uh, the actual scripture passages. If you want to walk with Jesus from his agony in the garden all the way to the to Calvary, uh, I'll give you those verses. But they start in Matthew 16, Mark 14, Luke 22, John 18. And again, I'll put the verses specifically in the in the show notes. But you, that's, that's one thing I want to really encourage you to do. Fill your mind with God's word. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. That's your true spiritual nourishment. That's the root of your life. That's where you're going to find the strength to face whatever challenges you're facing in life right now, to, to turn to him and his word. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. If you're looking for a resource that could help you with this, I think many of you know, I wrote this book called No Greater Love, A Biblical Walk Through Christ's Passion. And it unpacks the biblical background and walks with Jesus step-by-step step through his passion. Uh, it brings to light the biblical prophecies that are coming to fulfillment and the meaning of what he's saying and doing and all that he's doing for us uh, in his passion. So if you want a resource, check it out. It's called No Greater Love, A Biblical Walk Through Christ's Passion. You can get it at ascensionpress.com or Amazon. I know Amazon's delivering it as well. So you can check that out. But let's let's start. I wanna, I'm going to share with you a couple of insights that I, I mentioned these in the book as well. But I want to bring you in to the start of Christ's passion. I want to draw three practical things we can learn from the story in Gethsemane. The first thing is I want you to think about Jesus's prayer. I want you to imagine being one of those apostles, Peter, James, or John. These are the three that were invited to go close to Jesus when he prayed in his agony. And imagine you're there and, and you see Jesus saying to you, my soul is sorrowful even unto death. That, that biblical expression to be sorrowful unto death describes someone being pushed to the limits of suffering that they can endure. So you hear Jesus say those words, you realize, whoa, this is, this is a different, I've seen Jesus pray before, but I've never seen him pray like this. There's something really weighing on our, our master here. And then all of a sudden you see him fall on his knees in prayer. 
the Bible never tells us about Jesus's posture in prayer. It mentions many times that he prays, but you never read about his posture in prayer. But here we read that he falls on his knees. That tells us this is an important, intense prayer. And, and he doesn't just fall on his knees. He actually falls on his face as well. All of a sudden, you, see, you picture your Peter and you see your Lord all of a sudden falling down on his face, lying prostrate in prayer. The position of total surrender. And then Jesus says these words, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. You know, what Jesus is doing here, he's expressing his humanity. I mean, Jesus, he really enters into our humanity. He's truly human. And he knows that he's about to be betrayed and scourged and crucified. And that's not something any human would look forward to. That kind of suffering is repugnant to human nature. And so Jesus suffers with us. He enters into our suffering and he's acknowledging this is going to be really, really hard. That's why he prays, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. But in the same breath, he also says, not my will, may your will be done. In other words, Jesus is fully human, but he's also fully divine. And his human will is perfectly united to the Father's will. He entrusts himself totally to the Father here. And I think the, the two parts of this prayer are so important for our lives. So whatever, whenever you are facing a moment of trial, let's say you're facing a certain temptation. Let's say you're facing a certain difficulty, maybe in a friendship, maybe in your marriage, maybe in one of your kids, or maybe some problem at work, or maybe with all that's going on right now, there's a lot that we have that we you know, are, are going through that's really hard. You know, we, we, we want to be reminded of Jesus's example. He was human. He wasn't just like, oh yeah, they're suffering the world, just offer it up. No, no, he was human. He's acknowledging this is going to be really hard. I mean, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's sweating drops of blood. This is intense. And he prays, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Let's be human. Let's acknowledge the suffering, the difficulty, the fear, the challenge we're facing. Jesus wants us to be human. He wants to bring, he wants us to bring those challenges, those trials, those fears, those sufferings to the Father. So whatever's weighing on your heart, whatever challenge you're facing, bring it to the Father, acknowledge it, name it, be human, but then entrust it to the Father. Entrust it like Jesus did. And say, Lord, this is going to be really hard. I'm scared about this. I'm worried about this, but I trust you. I trust you. Jesus acknowledges this is going to be so hard. My passion, my crucifixion is going to be so hard, but I trust you, Father. I trust that the Father will raise me up on the third day. Do you trust your Father? Let's be human. Let's bring to the Father our human needs, our human pains, our human fears, our human sufferings, but then let's surrender them. So maybe you can go visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. If you have access to a church, go, go and pray, go and spend time with him and bring your needs to him. Or you can do this in your own home. Go find a place in your house where you can fall on your knees and maybe you can fall and lay prostrate before him. Surrender those needs to him. Imitate the way Jesus prayed. He was human, but he totally entrusted himself to the Father. Let's pray like Jesus. Second thing, did you know that there's someone that shows up to help Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Did you know that? It's an angel. An angel comes to help him. 
And I love thinking about this because as soon as Jesus prays the prayer of surrender, as soon as he entrusts himself to the Father's care with total confidence, the angel is sent to help him. That's what God always does. He sends the angel to help Peter in prison in Acts 12 or the three men in the fiery furnace. Remember that story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were persecuted by a wicked pagan king and they were thrown in a fiery furnace, but God sends an angel to rescue them in Daniel 3. Well, Jesus himself had an angel help him once before, way back at the beginning of his public ministry, when he was in the desert for 40 days, tempted by the devil. Remember, he entrusted himself to the Father. He didn't give in to the devil's temptations. And what happens? The Father sent angels to strengthen Jesus. Well, the angel comes back again to strengthen Jesus, because as he faces his biggest showdown with the devil, the angel is there to strengthen him. Now, I think there's a great practical point for us, and that is this. Whatever trial you're facing, do you turn to the angels to help you? Do you know that there's an invisible army that's out there ready to help you face whatever trial you're going to be facing, to help you face whatever suffering you might face, to help you resist temptation in life, to help you give heroic, sacrificial love when you'd rather just be selfish or lazy. The angels are there to help you. Do you turn to the angels? That's what God wants you to do. He gave you a guardian angel. He entrusted this this spiritual being that's more powerful than than an atomic bomb. (laughs) I mean, if we really could see, you know, with the eyes of faith, you really see the angels. We go, wow, these are the most glorious, spectacular, powerful beings out there. Turn to your guardian angel. Ask him to help you. Ask your angel to strengthen you, to to help you when you face trials and temptations, uh, to help you be faithful, help you do difficult things. Turn to your angel. If we surrender ourselves to the Father, the Father will will send his armies to help us. They're there. He's already given you one angel in in a particular way, your guardian angel. Last, Last point I want to bring out. I want to talk about the arrest scene. I want to talk about how, I don't know if you've pictured this before, but you know, there's armed men coming at night with torches and lanterns and swords and clubs. And they're, they're coming with police and captains and they're, they're going to arrest Jesus. Uh, the God, the Bible tells us that there's actually a, a Roman cohort, which was several hundred soldiers showing up at the scene. But you could look at this and say, Oh, poor Jesus. He's being caught by surprise. Judas is betraying him and, oh, he's about to get captured. But that's not what's going on here. What we see is that Jesus is actually the one in control. He's the master of the situation. He's not caught by surprise. I mean, he's God. He knows what's happening here. Mark's gospel in chapter 14 tells us that at the end of his agony in this prayer, he says to the apostles, rise, my betrayer's at hand. He knows Judas is coming. And then when all those soldiers show up and they're there with their torches and weapons and and swords, you know, that Jesus isn't running away. He comes forward to meet them. He goes out to seek them out. And he says, whom do you seek? Now, again, if Jesus was just caught by surprise or he was some fugitive, he'd be running away. That's not what he does. Jesus is the one going out to meet them. And he's the one that asks the question, whom do you seek? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And then here's my favorite part of the story. Once they say, we're seeking Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus says, I 
am he. And at that, bam, all of the soldiers fall to the ground. You see what Jesus is doing when he says, I am he, he's using the divine name from sacred scripture. I am. Do you remember the story of Moses at the burning bush? In Exodus chapter three, verse four, God reveals his holy name to Moses, the name of God, I am. And Jesus takes that name and he applies it to himself and he says, I am he. In fact, in John 18, he says, you can see this three times. Jesus says, I am. And at that, the soldiers all turned back and fell to the ground. It shows the power of Jesus. He's the one in charge. This isn't, you know, we could be like, oh, we should feel sorry for Jesus. He's taken by surprise. He's taken away. No, no, no. He's the one in charge. And he's going to willingly surrender himself to the soldiers. I mean, he, he doesn't have to. He could just call his, his, his army of angels and be rescued in an instant. But he is willingly surrendering himself to them so that he can then go die for our sins. That's how much he loves us. But, but Christ is in control of the situation. I think that's the key message here. He's the one in control. He's the one in charge. No matter what's happening in our own lives, we have to remember this. Jesus is really in control. And we want to turn to his name and speak the holy name of Jesus because it was when he used the divine name that those soldiers fell to the ground. And whatever battles we're facing, spiritual battles, whatever ways the devils may be tempting us, discouraging us, rattling us, whatever that might be, we want to speak his holy name. I am he. Speak the name of God. Call on God, the Father. Call on God, the Spirit, but call on the holy name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, help me. Because in his name, every knee must bend Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, every knee must bend in heaven, on earth, and under the earth at the name of Jesus. And so let's call on his name. There's power in that name to strengthen us and to fight our spiritual battles. Now, one last thought here. Um, I, I hope this reflection has been helpful for you, but I want to I want to just offer a, a couple thoughts on what Pope Francis said to us. Uh, on Friday. And if you haven't seen it, go online. And it's just so moving to see Pope Francis on on last Friday when he offered that extraordinary moment of prayer for the city of Rome, for all of Italy and the whole world and praying for an end to this virus and all. But I've taken so many pilgrims to St. Peter's. I lived in Rome, as I mentioned, and just to see it completely desolate and to see Pope Francis walking up those same steps in St. Peter's Square the same steps he always goes up for those papal audiences when there's tens of thousands of people there, but he's walking up all by himself and he gives this address and there's so many wonderful things in it, but I'll tell you what moved me was seeing how a certain part of the gospel story he was reflecting on and he kept repeating this line from the gospel story over and over again. The gospel story was the story of the apostles with Jesus in the boat on the Sea of Galilee and a big storm comes and Jesus is sleeping in the boat and the apostles are panicking and they 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 wake him up and they say, Lord, don't you care? We're perishing. <laughs> and then Jesus wakes up, of course, calms the storm and he turns to the disciples and he says, why are you afraid? Have you no faith? And over and over again in this reflection, and if you haven't read it, go check it out. We'll put it, we'll put a link in the show notes, but you, it's a short little meditation he gives us. Peter repeats that phrase over and over again. Why are you afraid? 
have you no faith? And uh, Pope Francis makes the point that, you know, the apostles, when the storm came, it exposed their own lack of faith in certain areas. Uh, and he says, we're in the same boat, <laughs> metaphorically, we're in the same boat, that there's a storm out there. This virus is a great storm. And it exposes our own vulnerability, how much we really have to depend on God. And one thing that Pope Francis does in this is he, I think he highlights how in our modern world, there's so much fear. There's, there's a great panic out there. But why? Because where do we really put our trust? He invites us to really reflect, where do we really put our trust? Do we put our trust and our confidence in God? Or do we put our trust and our confidence in our career, in our own success, in our own planning, our own ability to control things, in our own bank accounts, in our reputation, the image we project? Where do we really try to find our source of security and foundation for our lives? And when storms come, whether it was with those first apostles on the Sea of Galilee or the storms that come in life that we disciples have or this current storm that we're facing, this, this virus, it exposes certain things that we maybe didn't realize about ourselves. You know, we're used to our daily schedules, our projects, our priorities, but we can sometimes forget what really matters most in life, what really nourishes our soul. And I think Pope Francis was speaking particularly to a very secular modern world, secular Italy, secular Europe. Uh, you know, and he writes about how, you know, we could feel very powerful. We're able to do anything. We could make a lot of profit, succeed a lot in our careers, run around with a lot of busyness and haste. But we can forget what really nourishes our soul. And ha isn't that what's happened in our modern world as we've turned away from God? And then Pope Francis even says, you know, he says in a prayer, he says, Lord, we did not stop at your reproaches to us. We were not shaken by the wars and injustices around the world, or we were not shaken by the cry of the poor. In other words, he's saying, you know, we didn't need a big coronavirus to, to wake us up. We should have been woken up when we would see all these atrocities committed in this world. Just think about the injustice of the amount of babies killed every day in this world through abortion. That should wake us all up to say, something is so fundamentally broken. We need to repent and turn back to God. <laughs> you know, we think about all the wars, the cry of the poor. It's as if Pope Francis is saying, you know, where do we really put our trust? We should have been awakened long ago, even us Christians. We know abortion is wrong, but we often go along in our lives and just continue our own pursuits for career, comfort, fame, wealth, whatever it is. And he says, Lent is a time to choose what really matters. What is really necessary and what's not necessary? Will we put our trust in the Father or will we put our trust in ourselves, our own plans, our own dreams, our own control, our own reputation? our own finances, whatever it is, where are we going to really put our confidence? Jesus surrendered everything to the Father in Gethsemane. Let's do the same. Let's fall on our knees. Let's lay prostrate and just say a prayer, Jesus, I surrender everything to you. Jesus, I trust in you. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, not my will, but your will be done. 
Well, if you want to get ready for Holy Week, I hope this has been helpful to get you spiritually into the mood and entering into Christ's passion. Again, I'll mention that resource. If you want to find something to help you walk through those passion narratives, you can check out my book, No Greater Love, A Biblical Walk Through Christ's Passion. You can get that at ascensionpress.com or at amazon.com. Uh, if you want those scripture verses, check out the show notes. Uh, we'll put all the scripture verses of Christ's passion so you could read those during Holy Week. Fill your mind with God's word, not just the latest news or latest thing on social media. Fill your mind with God's word in Holy Week. Walk with Jesus in his passion. If you want to get the show notes, you can get those at ascensionpress.com slash allthingscatholic. Again, ascensionpress.com slash allthingscatholic. They're there for free. We'll put all the details in there for you as well. And lastly, I'm going to ask your prayers. Please pray for Bobby. He's uh, uh, works in the medical profession. He's a doctor. He has a young family, a wife, three children. And he is one of the many people who have been sharing what's been weighing on their hearts. And he shared about his worries about possibly being exposed. He knows he's, he's called to serve and to help the sick in this moment, but he's wondering about his wife and three little children. Bobby, we're praying for you. I'm going to ask all the listeners, please pray for Bobby. Please pray for all those in the medical profession, all those working in the grocery stores, all those on the front lines, helping people and fighting this, this virus and all. Please pray for them all. We're going to continue to pray for each other. And finally, if you ever want to reach out to me and share your thoughts or any questions, you can always reach me on my website, edwardsri.com. That's edwardsri.com. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. God bless.